0: Hi, this is Martha Davis from The Motels and you're listening to 10 Temecula
1: Entertainment
2: Network.
3: with Melissa's Produce and you're listening in on Cord, Vines, and Dye.
4: Good afternoon, Tom. Hey,
5: Cat. how are you?
4: I'm doing well, thank you. This is a beautiful Sunday
5: isn't it uh finally we're getting to see blue sky and sunshine it feels like we've been stuck in uh, clouds and 60s and low 70s but
4: i know i saw a news alert from san diego it said don't be alarmed you see this bright (laughs) globe in the sky it's the sun
5: (laughs) wow anyway uh we know it's going to be hot soon enough and i'm excited about the uh, lineup we have today we uh, had a very fun evening uh Little, about a week and a half ago, we went to uh, your old stomping grounds. We went to Venice, Venice
4: Beach. Venice Beach. Oh, it felt good to be back there again.
5: It really is an iconic Southern California beach town. It's uh, lots of little street merchants, and it's it's
4: it's it's very ec- eclectic. It's
5: got a very cool vibe.
4: <laughs> it so, does.
5: So we went to Bell's Beach House, which is just really a cool place, kind of Hawaiian themed and uh, we were invited uh, by a mezcal producer called Hidonistas de la fe and they invited us to taste their mezcals uh, mezcal made from agave like uh, tequila but it's so funny you talk to people and they go oh mezcal i don't i don't like that but this uh, was it was incredible
4: it was very good it was very different um than what i expected it to be and they paired it with with all these different foods. I mean, you wouldn't think to pair a mezcal with different foods normally.
5: We had three courses and a, a dessert, and each one was paired with a different mezcal. And what I thought was, uh, aside from the presentation, which was beautiful, they gave each of us what they called a neat pour. So we got to taste the mezcal all by itself, and then we got to taste it in a cocktail. And the cocktail was paired with each course. So we...
4: It was good. It was very good.
5: So the first course was a spicy tuna roll. When cat, you were brave. You did. You tasted it, right?
4: Yeah, I ate half of one.
5: <laughs> I loved it. It was poured with their Espadine mezcal, and then we had a cocktail made with their uh, Espadine and lime and fresh mint. It was kind of like a uh, mojito, but made with mezcal. And, and it, was uh, it was good. It was, it was excellent. Very good. Uh, we got to uh, visit with the uh, executive chef Sydney. Very nice man, really knows his way around the kitchen. And the second course, I think, blew everyone's mind. That was the corn esquites.
4: I love that. I could have had that oh, all night long. It the, was the best corn I've ever had.
5: Corn off the cob with truffles and uh, just a creamy. Um, and he says he. it, it is a normal uh, item on the menu, but it's served on the cob. this This evening, he served it off the cob, and it was just...
4: I've got I, to try to find a recipe to make that. <laughs>
5: Yeah, Sydney did a wonderful job, and I think you'll hear him talking about that. Uh, that was uh, paired with the Hedonistas de la Fe uh, Tobala uh, Mescal, and the cocktail uh, was made with yuzu lemon and honey, and the uh, Tobala Mescal. What's yuzu? Yuzu, I love yuzu.
4: What is
5: it? It's a, a, a citrus. that looks like a lemon, but it's got a very different flavor. Hmm. Uh, yuzu. It's 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 very. You should. Where do you uh,
4: find it? This- you won't find it in your normal Melissa's store.
5: Produce, our official produce sponsor, oh, carries yuzu. Good. And Wilson Creek Winery makes a sparkling yuzu, or they did it one time. I don't know if they still do. It's I haven't re- seen
4: that on their menu. Very crisp and re- it out.
5: R- refreshing. Third course, Hawaiian-style ribeye. Oh, wasn't that incredible? That was very good. And we had a neat pour of the, I'm going to take a stab at this, quiche, uh, Q, uh, C-U-I-S-H-E, kush, kush, kush. Um, mezcal. And so we had a, a neat pour of that, and then the cocktail was made with pineapple, lemon, and chili. That was good <laughs> yeah, too. It was really good. It was a decadent evening, and then uh, the chocolate mousse was uh, the presentation on that. Remember, there were little like, little ovals, yeah. Pink on the outside, pink and white, and then you cut into it, and it was chocolate oh, mousse. Oh, the, the mousse middle. just flowed right yeah. out
4: like lava. It was so good.
5: And then we uh, had that with the Tepestate mescal. Uh, a, a neat pour, and then the uh, cocktail made with Angostura and cacao bitters and orange oils. Uh, what? I could have had just the <laughs> corn
4: and the dessert. Oh, yeah. I would have been happy with that. Yeah. I mean, everything was wonderful, but the corn and the and the mousse.
5: We spoke with Chef uh, Sydney, and uh, we're going to go back and have dinner off the regular menu one of these nights.
4: Yeah. Joe, should we, you want to go and do the recording of, of your interview with Chef? Sure.
5: Uh, so, in these interviews, you're going to hear Chef Sidney, you're going to hear, uh, I believe, the uh, cocktail uh, server, who's going to talk about one of the cocktails, and then you'll hear from Ballin. Uh, Balin, uh, Balin uh, is one of the owners of Hedonistas, and he tells the story of how it got named Hedonistas, and it's very aptly named. And I remember his name by thinking of Marty Ballin, but it's Ballin, B-A-H-L-I-N.
4: <laughs> oh, Marty Ballin. Oh, Yes be still be still my heart um yeah now these recordings that we did we recorded it live in the restaurant and it was noisy and it was noisy so there is some back a lot of background noise a lot of people and a
5: lot of alcohol uh, equals a lot of volume
4: but you know what we were we didn't drink at all at all (laughs) i didn't say drink (laughs) at all we didn't didn't drink drink it it all all. true so we were fine because we had a had a drive. But. So,
5: four shots of Mescal and four cocktails. Yeah. No, we didn't drink it all. No.
4: There was no way we would have been able to to do that. Nope. So, we we were being responsible.
5: So, let's go into our visits with uh, the folks at Bell's Beach House. We're at Bell's Beach House, and I'm with Chef. What is your name again, Chef? Sydney Hunter. Sydney Hunter. Tell us about this uh,
6: fabulous evening with Hedonistas de la Fe Mescal. Their Mescals have. Of- Every mezcal has a note, and that note, it's easy to represent the tasting that we're having today. So we're having a tasting right now with the espadine and the spicy tuna. Uh, When I had the espadine, it had like a very fresh, clean water, refreshing taste. So I wanted to pair something with the ocean, I wanted to pair the rice with it. Uh, Whenever you have sake, you have like an anise kind of smell and taste to it and the rice has that flavor when we make the sushi rice. So having that and the mezcal, when you taste it, it doesn't mask the roll. Not and at all. it doesn't hide the flavor profile of the of the mezcal either. So when you eat it, it's just really refreshing both at the same time. I'm so excited about what's coming up. Uh, tell us a little bit about the next three courses. Uh, the next course, I chose corn because uh, my dad used to make uh, moonshine in Texas. Mm. And when I smelled this, um, Mescal that we're having next, it reminded me of that moonshine, and it okay. smells like corn. So the corn esquita made really made sense to pair it together. So uh, I'm really excited about that uh, esquita dish. So we did a conversion of like one of our dishes that we have here, and we had to tweak it for the menu because we serve it on the cob. So we took every all the kernels off, and then we're gonna reheat and, and, and plate it just a little bit different that we have it here. But the same same ingredients we have in the restaurant, but the next the next mescal. When you taste that one, it's amazing. It's herbaceous. It smells and tastes like gin. It has like a, Man, wow. it, it just has like a epazote like green kind of taste to it. So our uh, Hawaiian uh, style marinated ribeye, we have a herb arugula, which is an overgrown size arugula that's uh, grassier and a little bit hot. And uh, it also has wasabi, which is very grassy and green, along with the um, palm sugar vinaigrette. And then there's uh, the steak with the teriyaki sauce. So that's gonna go really well with the greens. And I thought that that would be a really good dish to give you guys as an entree, a steak, something with protein, that's gonna really enhance that mid-course feel. We're excited. Yeah. And then for dessert? So for dessert, we made a, a chocolate mousse with a goji-chan strawberry. The strawberries are from the farmer's market. And I bought a Korean fermented paste from uh, Korea called uh, Strawberry Gojichang. And then what we're going to do is it adds like a, a spicy element to it. So I love having spicy food. Oh, spicy on top of fruit. So it's going to have like a little bit of heat to it. There's whipped cream. And I made a um, a routine with dark chocolate. Uh, to me, when I eat it, it reminds me of like eating cornflakes. <laughs> and what is that being paired with? And that's going to be paired with our last course of the... Um, I? always pronounce this wrong. Sorry about that. The, the uh, tepezete. Yeah. yeah. So that one has 20 year um, aged uh, agave that they make the, uh, the, the mezcal with. So that one made a lot of sense to have the dark chocolate with it. When you taste that mezcal, you taste it in the back of your throat. And a lot of times people think that that's going to be the high alcohol, but it's not. It's a bitter profile that's in the mezcal. So it's going to enhance that dark chocolate taste. Um, I have 70% Valrhona, uh, French chocolate in the mousse. So you're gonna get those flavor profiles. So like when you have the dark chocolate and then you're gonna taste the mezcal, you're gonna be able to get that in the back of the palate.
5: Chef, thank you so much. I'm
6: excited. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you, Just delighted to be here with Balin Singh. And Balin, tell us about Hedonista FA so The name, we... where did the name come from?
7: Oh, so, uh... Well, some good friends, and uh, we were in the throes of the pandemic, and uh, believe it or not, we were tailgating in a parking lot every Sunday, social distancing, and it started with burgers and beers, and uh, I'm a private chef prior to this, and we elevated our game quickly. And next thing you know, we're doing Beef Wellington, and... First Garth Bordeaux's and Chatham D. and, you know, 18-year-old McAllens. Uh, so I started calling us the Hedonistas. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, simultaneously, uh, a tennis buddy of mine from high school, hes Mex—he's Mex- he lives in Mexico City. I thought, you know, Hedonistas would be a great name for a Mezcal label. Sure enough, he knew somebody... Re- you the family that ended up with the mezcal we have today. Uh, they sent us their kit. It's fourth generation mezcal. We flew down and met them. And yeah. That's the Santiago family? Yes. So we met Cain. He's the current Maestro Mezcalero. Uh, you know, we didn't know what to expect, but the mezcal was fantastic. Uh, he, he, he didn't care whether we bought it or not, which endeared me more. Uh, he's just very salt of the earth, cares about the agave, cares about what he's doing, and uh, it shows in the product. And here we are.
5: The product is exceptional. Thank you. And I can't tell you how often I mention mezcal and people go, oh, I don't like mezcal. How do you combat that? I mean, that mindset of... We should the- try ours. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Because, I mean, this really is, it's exquisite, Balin. Thank you.
7: you. And what do you see down the road? Uh, Well, you know, we're working on distribution, expanding, and, uh, you know, more of these dinner pairings. You know, I think we have a great product, so we want to share it as as widely as we can.
5: You do have a great product, and we're just delighted to be able to share this evening with you. Thank you. Thank you, Balin. appreciate it.
6: Chef, please tell us about this incredible dessert. Uh, this chocolate mousse I learned how to make with one of my chefs, uh, Ludovic Lefebvre, uh, when I was uh, chef de cuisine at Petit Titois. And uh, we had different kinds of chocolate mousse. This one, for me, was the best. So I took that recipe and the inspiration of dark chocolate with uh, 70% guanaja. And I really wanted to do strawberries with it. And you see chilies a lot but I did a, um, I cooked the strawberries and macerated them with a uh, vanilla bean a little bit of sugar, and then I put them in a bain-marie and poached them very gently wow. to extract all the juice. And I strained it, and then I added the goji-chan puree to it to give it that texture and that viscosity. And then I finished it with a uh, uh, some foillotine with dark chocolate, whipped cream, and then put it all together, and it just, Tastes amazing with the dark chocolate, especially with that um, mezcal, it goes very well with it.
5: What a lovely surprise to see this beautiful red and white creation and then cut into it and see the chocolate mousse coming out from inside. Yeah, so t-
6: today I finished it, um, I usually do it last minute and then there's an edible spray to coat on the outside to just give it an extra uh, effect. When you look at it, you're like, what is this? It looks like a rock, it looks yeah. like a concrete, it looks like Many different things, Uh, lava, rocks. So, uh, since the out there, when they make the mezcal, they do the volcanic uh, soil as well. So, making it look like rocks and uh, or or like a like uh, dirt or something like that. That's what I wanted to make it look like.
5: So, Long, tell us about your part in the pairing.
6: All right, so in this particular, it was an inspiration from Chef Sydney dessert. So, I created something more savory profile with the Mezcal or fashion style with like a chocolate bitters. has a little bit of of orange, too, kind of give it a little pop and kind of get, get that combination of richness. Go so has the ham and hand it in the dessert itself. And the, and the final agave tapasate, it's going to be the most complex water grave in the, in the mezcal world right now. So, but this one in particular is very floral, but yet soft at the same time. And it's very creamy, too. And also, it can give you that very nice long finish. So, hope you guys enjoy this one. Bravo to both of
5: you, and thank you so much. Thank you so
4: much. Wonderful.
5: That was a fun evening, Kat.
4: I'm ready to go back.
5: Yeah, me too. And thanks to our friends at Hirenistas de la Fe, and Bell's Beach House on Venice Beach.
4: And speaking of food, we can talk about this later, but I I finally made <laughs> a recipe off of um, Melissa's Produce website. Yes, you did. And it is so good. We can, we'll can we talk about that later on, but we're, we're feasting on it now. So if you hear me with my mouth full, it's what I'm doing.
5: <laughs> talk about this recipe, which is on melissas.com. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of recipes there
4: oh yeah and they're all free and you could spend like i did i I spent like a couple hours going through and going back and forth and trying to how unlike you unlike (laughs) me well i wanted to make sure i picked a good recipe and you did the the phyllo puffs stuffed with mushroom top and odd
5: easy for you to say
4: yes um I'll get into more detail about that because I have a lot to say about (laughs) that. But I want to get into our interview with Oak Grove.
5: Tammy Wilson. Tammy and I have known each other for uh, well over 10 years. Uh, She's been with, as you'll hear, uh, Oak Grove uh, since the 90s, I believe. Isn't that what she said?
4: Over 30 years.
5: But she's, uh, she's the head of Oak Grove, and they do so much good. Um, and they have an event coming up on the 15th, which is called Autism and the Arts at Wilson Creek Winery. And uh, this is such a popular event that they're doing two uh, performances, one at 430 and one at 7:30. The early show, as you'll hear Tammy say, uh, will feature the
4: kids. Yeah more more kid oriented right. with the kids. And also I want to say because her name is Tammy Wilson and Wilson Creek Winery, there's no relation. No, none
5: whatsoever. <laughs>
4: So should we get into the interview with Tammy Wilson?
5: Let's do it. I am so delighted, Kat, to welcome Tammy Wilson from Oak Grove Center to Cords, Vines, and Dines.
4: I'm excited, too. I've heard so much about Oak Grove. I can't wait to hear what's coming up on the latest event.
5: Tell us about autism and the arts, Tammy. Um, you know,
2: so we started, I've been at Oak Grove since 91. The arts program kind of officially started in 05 um when i became ceo and gosh it's hard this must be our i think this is our 15th year um maybe 16 and um so when gwen and i first met you know she just had a baby and that girl's in high school it's hard to believe so the, the, the the event was it was very country in the beginning we had it i mean probably for five years at the um you know old town temecula theater and it used to be called country gosh what did it used to be called <laughs> they didn't, but it used to be called um i can't even remember the old name yeah so we it Rock the oaks I, I think temecula live it was temecula live that sounds and right then, because it was like kind of like a grand old opry you know kind of like you know stage variety show but you know if for the people that love country that's awesome there are also people that don't love country and what I felt like we were not doing, we weren't doing as good of a job reaching out for like a wide variety. Because honestly, what about blues? Broadway has been a great addition. A little bit of gospel, um, you know, pop, soft rock, all expanding the show led to a lot more artists being interested and also more guests, because for the people that don't think they like country, they're more attracted to the other. And then along the way, you know, people that came decided, wow, I do like country, but this wasn't my perception of what country was. So that's a little bit of the roots and why we tried to do it more as a, you know, all genres.
5: So your event is coming up on uh, June 15th at Wilson Creek Winery, and you have two shows, one at 4.30 and one at 7.30.
2: That is correct. And, um, you know, the, the 4.30 is a little bit more geared toward the young audience. We'll have some of the younger performers. that have very, very good, strong talent. And, of course, the 7.30 is always what we call the blowout show. <laughs> and so it's on it. But, like, that's that's the, you know, that's the some of the alumni performers or, you know, some of the bands. It's just going to be a great show.
5: Well, so okay. the history
2: on Wilson is that we had made the move, you know, when COVID happened, we'd had it... For a couple of years, the Temecula Valley, um, well, the Temecula Valley Auditorium, the high school, right? And then with COVID, I guess one year we were, maybe COVID happened right after the the February show because, you know, it kind of shut down in March. And so then by that next year, I knew we couldn't put it back indoors. And we went to Wilson kind of out of like, oh, hey, we have to have an outdoor venue, but then really loved it. So, you know, we found that, the, you know, a lot of people really like the fact that it is on a Thursday. Um, there's two shows. So real music lovers like to get the, the um, ticket, the lesson to go to Bose. But the really big hit besides the talent is that, you know, you could pick, you could do a VIP table with a char- charcuterie board and wine and, you know, really have a great experience. Or it's a very accessible ticket for the people that just are general admission. So that has been a really big hit.
5: And how can people get tickets Tammy?
2: Uh, Rocktooaks.org is the easiest way to do it because they can buy either the VIP or just a general ticket. If there's a certain performer they're supporting they can you know they can say that all the performers are um, asked to know hey this is a benefit for arts and autism and as part of being on the show we do require that you you know reach out and have your loved ones and friends come and support um but you know a lot of people will come having nothing to do with the performers they just want to have a great night of music
5: well kat certainly has a deep connection to oak grove because she has a 13 year old grandson with autism so kat what yeah. would you like to uh Ask Cami or talk with well, her about.
4: One thing I gotta say though, Wilson Creek has always been very open and generous, and uh, and opening their doors to help. They
2: really, you know, I remember early on they did uh, they've helped our Nicholas Foundation, which of course concentrates what's for autism too, and um, you know, whatever marks I forget the name of the Zip event, but you know, I went to that out there. They're sweet people, so we really appreciate their support. Um, uh, I think. What I appreciate about the autism program is that, of course, we have smaller classes. The kids get a whole lot of individual attention. We have a, you know, BCBA that helps consult. Both campuses have, like the Ranch campus has one class. The main campus in Marietta has three. So, you know, kind of like a real low functioning and then a moderate um, where we're teaching job skills and then definitely a higher functioning um, You know, because Aspergers will be what some of our kids have, but the arts is really, really a big hit because even when some of those kids struggle being verbal, they love to sing.
5: Exactly.
4: Um, I understand As uh, Aspergers is not really being used that much anymore. I think they're putting it all under the autism. Is that right?
2: Yeah. It's it's really on the continuum. So usually when you hear that, it's the, their way of saying okay, it's the higher functioning then because you know, people can have Asperger's and be honestly brilliant, um, but it's just that they may be a little bit limited in terms of social interactions and we will have to kind of learn how to accommodate. They can be amazingly blunt, which sometimes yeah. can be mad and sometimes <laughs> can be enduring. Exactly. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Now,
4: do you have a music program out there at, at the school?
2: We do. We have... What? um Yeah, the music program that Stacy Dove Daniels is the one that kind of leads that up. But every summer for the autism program, we raise money for music camp. And Southland Sings comes in and they work over the course of four weeks with our low-functioning autism students. And then at the end of summer school, they put on a little show for their parents in the school, which is really endearing because... Most of those kids, you know, they haven't been in music lessons, they haven't had sports, they haven't been in enrichment. So for them to be able to, you know, put on a little play and performance, it's, it's always really, really endearing.
4: Now, my grandson's gonna start high school in another year. How? What grade levels does Oak Grove go up to?
2: We do, we do, we do like kindergarten basically. We have one elementary class and then a number of middle school classes, high school classes, and then three autism classes. So for the autism population, some of those students will be doing the certificate of completion, and they actually will be here until they're 22. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, not for the one. The ones that live here were licensed eight to eighteen, but for the ones that are in school, they can stay in the day program up until age twenty-two, and that definitely is some of our students with autism and our um, special needs, more developmentally delayed class as well.
4: Now, I talked to um, several years ago. I talked to somebody there at Oak Grove about putting my grandson in there, or just at least investigating.
2: And they said yeah. we
4: had to get um, a referral from the doctor.
2: Is that true? I don't. That's or, true. I mean, they they if they were talking about if the, if the if the family if you're I don't know if it's your daughter or if your son if they were trying to place through insurance that may have been said but like typically in the autism program it's the school district that refers and they don't need a doctor's note at all. Oh. Okay. They just. Know to be able to know, hey, there's an IEP for the child, and we're recommending Oak Grove.
4: Yeah, we go through um, Inland Regional Center. And right, yeah. Right now, he's in public yeah. school, and but we are concerned about go- him going to high school and, and thinking mm-hmm. of other alternatives. So. Yep.
2: Well, you know, and feel free to you know ask for a tour. You could, um, I'll, I'll tell Bela you one of my friends, and just call and say, hey, I'd just like to come get a tour of your. Um, you know, of your autism program on the school campus and should be happy to show you around. The other thing is um, I'd love you guys to think about coming to one of the missed performances. It's the third Thursday of the month. However, in June, we're so focused on Rock the Oaks, we're, we're taking June off because of graduation of Rock the Oaks, but we'd resume July. We, so,
5: would, we, we so would, it, would love to it, do that, Tammy. Back. We would love to.
2: Third, third yeah.
4: Thursday was up
2: third Thursday of the month at 1 15 and we do it in the gym and what miss stands for is most improved student tells the transformation but my my singers and my you know dancers they love to have an excuse to perform so we will always kick that celebration off with you know with song that kind of thing and then go into the um you know into the ones that made them prove improved awards it's it's sweet
5: oh good And we hope to see you on the 15th, Tammy. We'd love to uh, come support you at Wilson Creek.
2: You definitely can come support me, absolutely. Let me know if you want to press pass and we can arrange that. And, you know, the kids will be performing at the 430 show um, that, you know, like you'll hear about Oak Grove throughout, of course. And I would love to see you both. Wonderful. love
5: it. Thank you so much for your time. And, And Tammy, thank you for everything that you're doing
4: absolutely you're doing tom. a marvelous and, job i i've been to uh, some of your your program or to to your functions and yeah, saw some of the cool. videos and met some of the students and i think it's absolutely wonderful and that's why i'm, I'm really anxious to talk to you about my oh, grandson
2: good. so good. well i look forward to seeing you both then tom i'll send you a little rundown of who the sponsors are just so you have that
5: that's great thank you tammy okay cool
2: all right thank you both
5: thank you so much this,
2: this talk to you later. Bye. See
5: you soon. Bye. Uh-huh. See you soon. Bye-bye.
4: I'm going to schedule my tour of the facility. Yes, I think
5: you should. And uh, something that uh, might be interesting for Braden.
4: Yes, it could be very well. I think it would be great for him. All right, so now you want to talk about my mushroom, my, my shrooms here.
5: Talk about your shrooms. This is just a fabulous recipe that you got from com, our official produce sponsor.
4: Yes, I... I like I said, I picked the phyllo puffs stuffed with mushroom tapenade. And they sent this beautiful package out with the dried mushroom medley, the dried chanterelle. I guess that's how you would mm-hmm, say it. It is. Uh, also with, this is one thing, it was very interesting. The morel mushrooms were very different looking. And the other one, wild the wild lobster. lobster. And after I, I did the reconstruction, constitution um, i i could see why they call it the wild lobster because it does look like lobster meat It's amazing
5: but um, all together the the taste and you got shallots didn't you
4: i got shallots i've got the roasted garlic i got um regular minced garlic. garlic minced garlic and uh Meyer lemon and and a uh, whole gar- fresh garlic
5: all of this, courtesy of Melissa's Produce yes. and our friend Robert Shuler. Um
4: I've got to say the one thing. It, it says that the prep time is 30 minutes. Now, if you're using the dried mushrooms, it takes a heck of a lot longer than 30 minutes yeah, to, you've to, got to reconstitute. Reconst-
5: <laughs> exactly. So Keep that in mind if you want to make this recipe, which I certainly recommend because it is delicious.
4: Well, I used uh, five packages. And so... Each one I kept separate because there was three different mushrooms in one and two different mushrooms in, an, in the other recipe. And it was very... So I had my whole kitchen full. <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had bowls labeled with the, the mushroom medley and then the chanterelle. I, I used two packages of that. And I used two bowls. Mm. And you soak them in warm water for about 15 to 30 minutes. And then you stick them in hot water. For one minute and drain it and, and so i did this five different it's times. it's a process
5: yeah and i saw the empty bowls you you did a lot of work on this but it's wor- certainly worth it well
4: it. after i did that and then um then i chopped it all up thank you to my food processor mm. uh that saved a lot of time right there and then uh i'd use the phyllo puffs well i used the sheets and the thing with that, you know, you do five layers, and I'm not used to working with phyllo sheets.
5: Right, no, it's a different beast.
4: It is, and I was really concentrating. So I and I had my my ruler out, and I was cutting my dough. And after I did the five layers and and brushing each layer with butter, it probably took a little more than thirty minutes. I think I think if I did do this more often, right, I could probably get it down, whip it out in no time, except for the
5: Reconstitution. So will we be seeing you on Master Chef soon?
4: <laughs> I doubt it. But, <laughs> um, but the the topinade was really good. Um,
5: oh, that was delicious. I've got it right in front of me. And
4: that's what I used to fill the the phyllo sheets that I use, and they're you know you do them into a little triangular shape. But they also, on oh, there the same was the creamy mushroom sauce, which took the three different mushrooms. I took the morel, the wild lobster, and the sh- and the chanterelle, and I mixed that with the chicken broth and heavy cream, and thicken it all up. And you put that on on top of the phyllo. I thought it was going to be a mushroom overkill.
5: Not at all. No. no. It's perfect.
4: And one thing about the the sauce, the creamy mushroom sauce, it is it's mild enough. But I think it would be good on pasta. I think Mm. thinning it out a little more, maybe putting a little extra cream in would be really good on pasta. Also said you could try it, and I haven't tried it with both the tapenade. I just did the tapenade. I have to try it with the sauce. A baguette with uh, either cream cheese or Or goat goat cheese cheese. and and do it that way too. That's what I
5: have in my mouth right now is the... uh... The, the, the baguette with the cream cheese and the tapenade. Wow. Oh, you
4: could do all sorts of things with the tapenade and with the sauce. It's an all-purpose type. And it did make a lot of sauce uh, from the recipe. So it's it's one it's well worth it. I don't know how it will freeze or how long it will last well, in the refrigerator, but I might take some and put it in a yeah. Tupperware and see how it freezes. One way to find out. Yeah, just a little bit.
5: Delicious, and, and thanks again to Melissa's Produce, Melissa's.com.
4: And I did put a picture of all the goodies we got <laughs> yes, on our Facebook page.
5: Yeah, don't forget our Facebook page, uh, Gourds, Vines, and Dines on Facebook.
4: So, anyway, that's my my foodie input if, for, the, for this week.
5: If you want to email us, it's hello at cvdradio.com. And we're going to, speaking of Melissa's, uh, we're going to do a giveaway in the near future uh, of one of their beautiful gift baskets. So uh, keep that email address in mind. Hello at com.
4: I want to enter, but I can't.
5: No, you can't.
4: But they have beautiful gift baskets. Ah, incredible. So anyway, let's go. I want to hear some more music. Okay. We listened to a little bit of our musical guest, Keen Wild. We listened to a little bit of the music at the beginning of their new release uh Summer Nights.
2: Yeah.
4: And we talked with with the three band members,
5: Bill and Jenny and Jason, right? Yes.
4: And let's get on to that because it was real I mean real informative. I have known Bill and Jenny for quite a while, several years. They were on our original chords and vines. And uh I was glad that Bill contacted me and said they've got a new release with the Summer Nights and it's beautiful. It is. Jenny's got such an incredible voice and the synergy between the three yeah, you can band hear it. members is just, it's really good. So let's go on to the interview we did with them. And right after the interview, we're going to play Summer Night in its entirety.
5: And we'll also play the game of food.
4: After that.
5: <laughs> okay.
4: I, I am so excited to have Keen Wild with bill and jenny and jason band members and we'll get into all their full names and everything in a little bit but i gotta say i've been a fan of keen wild since we first started chords vines well it was chords and vines then and you're on our show and i've always loved your music and i'm excited that you are going to be releasing your new single summer nights so hi guys hi everybody hi Hi. I'm excited too. We've got it here, and we're we're gonna be playing that right after the interview. But I, I'm one of my first questions. I thought when looking at your bio is how did you come up with the name Keen Wild? Um, it was uh, it was one day we were just
8: driving around and you know trying to brainstorm different. Name the stuff, and we went up to Iowa Wild, and we saw the sign for uh, the Keenwood Station up there, the the fire station, and we wrote it down. And after we had a, a, a list of things, we kind of rolled everything out, and it, it seemed that was the one that stuck out to us as you know the most unique something that was important to us, um, and you know we we really liked it, so we ran with it.
4: So. That, well, nobody else will have that name. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so uh, you have you guys have an interesting story about how you met. Yes. You want you want to tell us about that?
3: Sure. Yeah. Uh, I met Jason many years ago, even before Jenny. So it's kind of cool that he's come back into the fold. Uh, but. I met Jenny through a radio station website uh, that broadcasts out of San Diego, and we were both working in uh, North San Diego County. And so we tuned into it accidentally, thinking it was ninety-one uh, X, but it was ninety-two point one, which is no longer a radio station. But in in doing so, we met each other on the radio station message board, and uh, that's you know we became. Internet friends, and then the whole group of people on the message board started having like uh, get togethers and parties. And so we would drive down to San Diego to everybody else's houses, and then we were friends. And then Mm -hmm. driving home one night from one of these uh, get togethers, or maybe it was a super dance show, I I can't recall, but she was singing. And I was like, oh, wow, like she can fully sing. and So <laughs> that's that's how we can that, that's how it all came to be as far as that goes. And then around that same time, Jason and I were in a band called Super Dank because we had been friends for years. And when that kind of ran its course, then that's where Keenwild
4: came from. Well, that's incredible. I mean, I love to hear all these stories on how people got together and how they formed their their bands. Jason, how long have you been playing?
9: Oh, boy. Let's see. I think I picked up guitar when I was 14, 15. Um, So it's been, you know, over 30 years now. And uh, I remember meeting Bill probably when I was 20 or so. So, yeah, I mean, we had, you know, been friends for a long time and uh that, that's kind of how i met bill as well through well through a mutual friend but um yeah eventually ended up playing music with him
5: so off and on for the years it's, it's been fun hey jason when you were when you were 14 15 years old who were you listening to who were your influences
9: Oh, gosh, I had, uh, you know, influences from every vector of music I think there was. Uh, I think at the time I was mostly listening to a lot of uh, funk and metal um, and the combination of such that was just kind of coming out uh, back in the late 80s. And Bill, Jenny, so that, that you guys? That was probably my main influence. Okay. How
5: about you guys, Bill and Jenny?
3: Well, when I first started playing, I was like 13. That's when I got my first guitar. And I was influenced by a wide variety of things. Uh, Everything from uh, Guns N' Roses to John Mellencamp, uh, Tom Petty, and uh, Garth Brooks, actually. Wow. Oh, good ones. Yeah. Jenny? Yeah.
4: um,
8: I I don't play any instruments. I'm a... Singer, um, I'm. I'm a choir girl. <laughs> I, I grew up uh, just singing in school choirs and, and that sort of thing. Um, not, not even really thinking that I would ever make um, a band with anybody. So meeting Bill and having him tell me that you know he thought that I could sing to the music that he had written and wanted to listen to it, I was I was super stoked. But. Um, you know, growing up, I, I grew up in the Midwest, so we didn't get a whole lot of the, the spectrum of music there. But I listened to a lot of, you know, R&B and pop music. Um, my parents were really into classic rock, you know, like uh, Tom Petty, yeah. the Rolling Stones. Um, I, I really liked uh, Bonnie Raitt and Melissa Etheridge mm-hmm. back in the, in the 90s. They, they were strong influences, um, Jewel, yes. um, but,
4: yeah. Did you have any formal uh, vocal training, or is it all very natural for you? Um, it was all pretty casual. It was
8: just uh, school um, school choir training. Oh,
4: well, that's incredible. You're just a natural at it all. <laughs> well, thank you. So tell me about Summer Nights now bill you wrote it
3: you're the you're the one that does the songwriting uh yeah i, I use i'm kind of the guy that like pours the foundation and does the framing and then uh jenny comes through and and makes it look pretty and now jason uh does as well uh so that that's actually a funny story uh we go over to jason and his wife mary's house and they put on like lo-fi uh hip-hop beats a lot just as kind of like background music uh so it's you know, when we're socializing with friends and everything. And so I've kind of been listening to this uh, at at home, too, kind of getting into this. And um, so I was like, you know, I'm going to try my own take at a lo-fi hip-hop beat. And so I made, like, this, like, 12-minute long beat and had, like, all this, like, crazy sounds in it and everything. And so I told Jenny, you know... I, I made this beat, but it's probably just something that I'm going to release under, like, you know, my producer name or whatever. I don't really think it's a Keen Wild song. And she was like, oh, play it for me." And, and so, uh,
8: yeah, he he played it for me, and it just instantly, I heard melody and and lyric pieces to it, and it. I started writing it, writing stuff down, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Well, this is a Keen Wild song now." So. Aww.
3: Sorry. <laughs> what a great story. I love that. Yeah, so that 12-minute 12, that 12 lo-fi hip-hop beat turned into a three-and-a-half-minute like uh, campfire pop song,
4: I guess. Can't be pop. Yeah. Campfire punk song. I love that. <laughs> it's
3: that's
5: a that's whole great. new genre.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jason plays guitar and also bass. Yeah. And Bill, is, what, what, what else do you... Now, do you play guitar as well?
3: I, I'm playing some guitar. Um, Jason's redoing all of my bass tracks because he's better than me. Ah. And uh, and then I'm <laughs> doing uh, like synth and piano too and then making the beats. So and you, then Jenny does
4: most of the lyrics. So when you go live... Uh, it's just the three of you. Do you have any percussion back there, or is it just the three of you?
3: Honestly, we haven't even played a live show yet, the oh, three really. of us. So.
4: And you're this yeah, popular when, without doing a live show. That's incredible.
3: Yeah, so.
8: Yeah, yeah Jason is a relatively new addition to the, the lineup. Um, he started coming over and, and practicing with us
4: around the beginning of the year. Yeah,
3: something like that.
4: Yeah. yeah.
9: Mm-hmm.
4: No. Oh, that's amazing. It's were, nice, though.
9: You know, yeah.
4: this is this is really. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that that think that in order to to sell their music, they have to do the live performance. I mean, it used to be that way, but things have changed over the years. And this mm-hmm. is really good to to know for others that are coming up that you don't have to do your live performance to sell music.
3: Yeah, we'll we'll probably figure that out at some point. But there's a there's a handful of other songs that we're working on that um, you know we'll we'll probably finish those up and put out like a little EP before we try to figure out how to play all this live.
5: And hey, don't yeah. fix it if it's not broken, right? <laughs> yeah, right.
8: Yeah, but prior to um, prior to including Jason in the band, we did play a handful of shows. Bill and I, um, where. It, we did have the the full music um, like setup but it was all ran through the the computer um, that bill programmed everything and he, he you know started and stopped. we didn't have a full setup of you know percussion or or instruments or anything it was
4: just the two of us because I thought I saw you guys sit in I think it, I can't remember exactly where it was um. But I, I was surprised. I was there doing some photos for, I think it was a fundraiser event. And I was there doing some photos and all of a sudden I heard somebody call out my name and it was Wade Harned. Okay, yeah. And yeah. he he reco- I mean he was my old neighbor. I hadn't seen him in probably fifteen or twenty years. He was just a little kid when I last saw him and he recognized well, me funny. and told me he was really good friends with you guys and he was yeah. here to see you. And it was such, yeah. so exciting to see him. And what a small world that you guys would be good friends with. Old neighbor, <laughs> dating yeah. myself. Yeah. I'm <laughs> an old lady now. I mean, he was just a <laughs> little kid. But that was Wait,
3: one of One of our crew that hangs out is Jason and Mary's house listening to these lo-fi hip-hop beats drinking whiskey. <laughs> <laughs>
4: He brought over some really hot peppers to me about a year or so ago. I, I mean, like this man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, asked, he He put a thing on Facebook saying, anybody want some hot peppers? And I said, yeah, I'll get some. And he brought them over and dropped them off on my front porch for me. What a sweetheart. Yeah. yeah well, I think we got some of the same ones. Yeah. They were pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. Tom is the uh, hot pepper person between us
5: over that, here. That would be me. <laughs>
4: So your other song that we're gonna listen to um, is "Vicious." Yeah. Yeah. Now that was before Jason. Is, is that just a joke? Yeah. That is. Yeah. I I I made the the beat and recorded the the bass and guitar, and then uh, Jenny wrote the lyrics and and sang on it. Oh, how do you get your inspiration for your lyrics, Jenny?
8: Honestly, it, it, just through the music, um, when, when I hear the music, I, I feel whatever the music wants me to feel and different um, words or phrases or um, scenarios sort of pop in my head. Usually I will write a whole song off of, you know, one sentence of lyrics that, that pop in my head when I hear a song.
3: Yeah, funny story in, in that relation. Uh, the other week when uh, Jason was over here and we were doing our band practice, he starts playing this uh, this little riff on his guitar.
8: And I was just absentmindedly, I think, I you know, just uh, a mellow little riff. And I was like, that isn't what we were just practicing, right? That's something completely different. <laughs> um, but, no. oh yeah, yeah. Like, okay, keep playing it because I, I need to write this down. Yeah.
3: So that's, that's our, our first song, uh, you know, outside of uh, Summer Nights is something that was kind of Jason worked into the mix, but this other song, which we'll, we'll finish up sometime here, is called Your Eyes, and uh, that, that's our first trio combination. I would have sent that over to you, but it's just not ready. Yeah. Okay.
4: But we'll do that for another show when you guys are ready. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. Definitely. So, Jason, do you have any any thoughts about writing or doing writing lyrics or the music itself?
9: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's really easy to work with Bill and Jenny, and from that regard, because you know, like they were just saying, you know, you can lay down a couple of chords and a particular riff, maybe throw some emphasis on that, and they already have ideas. You know, so they've always been like that. You know, anytime we'd sit down and jam. And that's what it is. We'll go over there, we'll, you know, review some of what they have, and then maybe we'll jam and just, you know, play some random stuff. And and then the inspiration just kind of flows from there. So it's really easy to write with them. And I feel like, you know, if if we get in a lot of time, you know, to write more things in the studio and then figure out how we're going to play them if we go live, right, that's another fun thing we'll figure out. But (laughs) it's really easy to write with them. Because, I mean, Bill, you know, he can he can carry all the structure stuff real easy, make changes. Um, you know, again, it's just been so easy every time I work with him. So, I don't think writing should be a problem at all.
4: You seem, well, <laughs> all three of you seem like you're just a perfect match for each other, for your music. It, I think we vibe pretty well, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah I've, I've known yeah. Jason since I was like 16 or 17 or something like that, and he was actually the officiant at Jenny and I's wedding. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we've got quite a connection there. It
4: seems like.
3: That's yeah, so what I was just going to say. I'll, I'll tell you a secret. I, I married
9: them. <laughs> <You> know, <right? laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of the funny, unknown thing that some people don't know when they're in a crisis.
8: Yeah, we, we, have, a, we have a wedding picture on our wall, and he's totally behind us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Maybe we'll use it for an album picture. one day. <laughs> There
4: you go. Well, I'm I'm anxious for our listeners to to listen to your to your uh, two music. We had a little sniff of one of them at the beginning of the show, and we're going to listen to the two in their entirety. And I'm also looking forward to to hearing your eyes when you're ready for that. I'd love to have you back on the show again. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Totally. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely get you some some fresh stuff. Uh, as soon as it's out of
4: the oven. Yeah. Well, I'd love to keep up with you guys and stay in touch with us, and we'll keep promoting you on our on our page. And good luck to you.
5: Thank you so much for sharing your time and your music with us.
8: Uh, thank you for having us, we and and putting us out there to all of your listeners. We really appreciate
3: it. Yeah, we appreciate you guys.
4: Oh well, thank you. And like I said, I've always enjoyed your music from the first time I met you guys. So. I'm really looking forward thank to hearing more.
5: Take good care. Well, thank
4: though. you so much. And you feel better, Yeah, thank Jenny. you. <laughs> feel thank better, you. Uh, thank bye-bye. you for seeing it. Bye. 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 Bye, guys.
5: people and what a great visit with uh, bill and jenny and jason and keen wild
4: and that is jenny kingsbury bill Gould, and jason walker
5: it is time for the game of food everything is funny because we had our uh, memorial day weekend off so we're, we're getting back in the groove again it was
4: a good weekend
5: though yeah we played some wonderful music i played mu- some
4: great music From artists, not all the artists, but some of the artists we've had on the show. And I got a lot of compliments from our mix.
5: You did a great job.
4: I think it was almost two hours of music.
5: I know it. So while you're putting that in your mouth, should I ask you a question? Go ahead. All right. Category, people and pop culture should be right up your alley. Do you remember the Miracle product, New Shimmer, from Saturday Night Live? It's a floor wax and a... A, pancake syrup, B, flavor enhancer, C, salad dressing, or D, dessert topping. Shimmer. It's a floor wax and a pancake syrup.
4: I don't know. I'll say syrup. I, a.
5: It is a dessert topping. So it's oh floor wax and, and dessert <laughs> topping. It's a classic Saturday Night Live skit.
4: Oh, my gosh. Shimmer. I should have known that because I watched it <laughs> religiously. It must have been later years or something. All right, looks think? like,
5: uh, no, I think it was with the old uh, Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. And, was it? I think.
4: I remember. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. <laughs> um, oh, my God. This is Regional Dishes. All right, hit me. Temple Lake, T-E-M, Temble- Temble- B-L-E-Q-U-E. Okay. Is a wobbly Puerto Rican <laughs> rice pudding that it owes its creamy richness to. A coconut milk, B condensed milk, C. Cahita ghost milk <laughs> caramel, or D butter.
5: Uh, I'll go with um, B condensed milk.
4: E, coconut milk.
5: Really? Okay. Cool. All right. You get cooking. Yay! Yay! <laughs> you get cooking tools and techniques. Oh gosh. When milk, butter, and eggs were rationed during World War II. American bakers used this ingredient to add moisture and loft to an austerity dessert called Wacky Cakes. Was it mayonnaise, orange juice, water, or vinegar? Wacky Cakes.
4: Wacky Cakes. I'll say vinegar. Uh, And... Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I would have guessed
5: mayonnaise, but no, you got you nailed it.
4: Well, no, mayonnaise is made with eggs, and if they're rationing, yeah, you're right. That, that's my—I had some logic behind hey, my there answer. There you go. Do so, I, you, I don't always.
5: So, do I get ingredients? Yes.
4: This fragrant baking spice comes from the vein-like, webbed exterior of nutmeg seeds. Okay. A allspice. B Galang- galangal, C mace, or D borage.
5: Well, I'll go with allspice.
4: Mm.
5: See, you won again. Mace. Mace was my second guess. All right, I
4: got. So I got one. I got one this time.
5: All right, we have one last visit to get to, and uh, this goes back to me uh, visiting the grand tasting for the Napa Wine Library. Uh, just a beautiful event at the Silverado Resort with about, I'm, off the top of my head, 30 to thirty to 40 wineries, maybe even 50. Each of them had a little table, and they were pouring uh, two, sometimes three or four wines. And I got to meet Matt Moy. Matt is the uh, winemaker for Vincent Arroyo Family Winery, and uh, we're tasting his 2020 Petite Syrah from Rattlesnake Acres. And what do we call this kind of wine, Cat?
4: A C-S-B.
5: Standing for. Can't see bottom. It's mm-hmm. a petite Syrah because it's such a small grape. It's mostly skin, and so the the color is just concentrated. And when we pulled the cork out, I mean, it's just a deep...
4: It's beautiful. Yeah,
5: it's gorgeous. You said that it'd be a nice color for... A car, yeah. a dress, pair of shoes. <laughs> and I had to chuckle because you'll hear... Uh, Matt talking about keeping the alcohol low in his wines at thirteen to fourteen percent this one was, <laughs> this one weighs in at fifteen point seven, but I emailed him, and he said, oh, you got me but uh, oh, it's it's isn't that a tasty wine it is let's go on to our visit with Matt Moy from Vincent arroyo family winery well, so happy to have uh, Matt Moy as a guest on cords vines, and dines uh, when I was in the Napa Valley uh, two or three weeks ago for the Uh, Napa Wine Library Grand Tasting, I had an opportunity to to meet Matt and chat with him. Matt, you're the uh, winemaker for Vincent Arroyo Family Winery. Tell us a little bit about the winery.
10: Well, our winery is located in Calistoga on the north end of the Napa Valley. Um, My father-in-law started the winery back in 1984, uh, but we've been growing grapes up there since 1972. We uh, all of our wines are made at the winery and sold at the winery. We don't have any distribution or restaurants. Uh, We farm about 60 acres, so all of our reds are estate grown, Um, and uh, uh, all of our vineyards are dry farms, so we have no irrigation. So a wet year like this year is a a good year. But uh, yeah, I I took over the winemaking back in, I believe, 2007. Uh, I was a an attorney before I did what I do now. Um, I learned from my father how to how to do make the wine, and and he's still there helping me in terms of if I have issues or whatnot. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a family affair.
5: I hear you became disenchanted with the idea of becoming an attorney.
10: I did, I did. You know, I got into law school and didn't know what I was getting into, and uh, so I got out of there and I practiced law for about a year. I just I couldn't do it, so. My father was like, "Come work for me," and I said, "Well, you know, I, I was an English major. I stayed well clear of the science lab." Um, <laughs> he said, "But that's not how, that's not how I make my wine." So why don't you take a year off and see see if there's something might be interested in? My sister's a winemaker in Australia, so it's not like I've not been exposed to it, but it was not something I was on my radar.
4: I was I was reading your bio about the what kind of law are you going to go into? Do you have any designs to even think about going back there? You're going to stick right completely with yeah. wine.
10: Yes, yeah, so I was a land use attorney, so I dealt with I dealt with farmers, um, and so for the first few years I was at the winery. We sell grapes as well, and I would write up grape contracts for for the winery itself. Um, I went inactive with the bar probably about five or six years ago, uh, just for the fact that trying to keep up with the continuing education was was the challenge, and, and the fact that I wasn't using it, it didn't make any sense to be an active uh, uh, attorney. But if I ever want to go back to it, uh, I just pay a higher dues and and return to education and, and i'm good to go i don't need to take that test again which
5: i'll never do <laughs> <laughs> thank god but it sounds like you're living your passion right now matt
10: i am i am you know I, my wife and i both work together um we have three young boys that uh hopefully one will take an interest in what we do um but you know as as a as a winemaker as a wine owner you know i see happy people every day yeah. And usually after after they leave my my Office or my tasting room, they leave happier. When I was an attorney, they always came up upset, and they usually were <laughs> more upset, you know, after I told them what the reality was. So it's a whole different uh, reality of you know talking to people and, and meeting people, and it's just it's a fun atmosphere. I mean, wine is you know wine changes who you're with, what time of day it is to have a bad day at work to have a good day at work. You know that that's unique. I don't find another product that you can take that uh, you know and see how it can change in, in different situations. Yeah, wine can
4: fix it all. <laughs> That's
10: true.
5: <laughs> and um, so I tasted your petit sirah, and I, I, I think I tasted one or two other. Uh, were you pouring a cab that day, or do you remember what you were pouring?
10: Yeah, I have. We we put out a new blend this year called Moy Boys. Yes. Uh, named <laughs> after our three boys. It's a Cabernet uh, Malbec blend. Um, uh, when each one of the boys were born. My father-in-law ripped out a vineyard and replanted it, so it was the same age as, as the grandson. And um, when the the grandson you know, gets into high school, it's his responsibility to take care of that particular vineyard, whether that be pruning, uh, driving the tractor, you know, all the elements that you have to do to, to take care of the vineyard. And then what will happen is he'll sell me his grapes, and I'll pay, that'll go into his college fund. So. The youngest just turned, or it's going to be nine, so his vineyard is now fully producing. So we were able to take all three boys' vineyards and make a blend together, and that's what came out this year. So that was the first uh, you know, real tasting at the event that you were at. What a great idea. I, I love just love I've
5: never heard of anyone doing anything like that. I think it's fabulous, man.
10: Well, it's, it's, a, it's a part to teach our boys that nothing comes comes free, and you know you got to work for it. And so it was funny that I had my youngest out there, Armeola's out there, and he, this is his first year doing the work. And he was out pruning, and he goes, Dad, my hands are just hurting. I said, <laughs> Colin, I said, look at all those other men out there who are pruning. They do that for weeks. I said, so one, one day is not going to hurt you. And so it, it, it's, it's good. I think it's good for him to build his character.
5: Absolutely. I'm, I, I salute you, Matt. Uh, I understand you enjoy fishing. Where, where do you like to fish? Do you, what, what type of fishing do you do?
10: I do uh, all kinds of fishing. I mean, we just got back from Hawaii. We did some ocean fishing while we were there. Um, but particularly, I do a lot of fly fishing. Um, we uh, we have a lot of rivers up here in Northern California that are a lot of fun to, to fish. Um, I have a, a unique spot uh, outside of uh, Redding called Fall River, which is a, is a great river to, to fish on. And so, in fact, I'll be going there hopefully in another week or two. One of the hatches is going on, so i got to get up there before it
4: gets over. <laughs> Uh, I have a grandson who I, he's one of my grandsons, he's 12, and I told him he had such an interest in chemistry or working, you know, around wine, that maybe he should think about, you know, maybe learning at this age, becoming a winemaker. And he wanted to know if I'd let him try it, let him drink some now. (laughs) She said, she said no. I said, no, you can make it, but you can't drink it. That's what I'm here for. (laughs)
10: <laughs> yeah, no, it's you know it's, it's a special product. You know, it's you know I have friends that are beer beer makers, and you know I tell them I said you know with winemaking you only got one shot you know, each year, so it's it's you know with beer you're making it year round, so it's it's definitely you know it's it, it's a challenge, um, but the one thing I, I do I'm really excited about is the fact that. We grow all our own grapes in terms of the reds, so our our winemaking literally starts in in the, in the vineyard. And so, I know that's a cliche for a lot of people saying that, but it really is true that if you can do a good job farming the fruit, it's easy to make good wine. It's just when you have challenging fruit is when the, when you really have to put on your chemist hat to to you know make that wine you know drinkable or whatever the case you're trying to make. But it's 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 really important to us that we actually control that whole process from the vineyard all the way through the winemaking side. I have one wine that I make that's a Cabernet. I go back to France each year in January to cut down the trees for that particular wine barrel that, that we're putting in that, that, that wine. Yeah. And um, and we go in January, where it's literally cold and they chop the trees down and they cut the staves they leave the staves over in france and the elements outside for about 36 months then they ship them back to california where our cooperage which is here in benicia will put the barrel together for us and what's really cool about that is it's a single vineyard cab that i'm working with and what i can do is i can poke poke my finger out the window and i can they can see the vineyard where this wine is actually coming from and then i have the coordinates of the tree where it was chopped Lasered onto the barrel, we pull up Google Earth and we see the stumps of the trees of which I, I this barrel came from, mm-hmm. and so it's it's a super cool program that we've initiated, and people people really latched onto it. It's just it, the fact that we actually have control all the way back to the wood that we're using is pretty amazing.
5: That is amazing. I, I love that story. Um, it, it, so tell me, but what, what, what grape do you enjoy working with the most, and what is your most challenging?
10: You know, it changes. I'm fortunate that I get to work with 10, or no, I say 11 different varietals. Um, and so it's like it's like a, a kid having a box of Crayola crayons. I have the 64-pack, where some people only have the 12-pack. <laughs> so, so you know, when I get to get make blends and things like that, it's a lot of fun. I mean, when we make our wines, every one of our wines is a single block for the first year. So we have 65 acres. We probably have about 40 blocks of uh, wine. So right now in my cellar, I have 40 blocks of... 22 uh the vintage 22 wines and so after the I wait for a first year to taste those blocks and then I put my wines together so my cap you know we have 10 blocks of cap but my cap may come from block ABC this year maybe DEF the following year because we dry farm things change you know in terms of the growing and I, I don't want to compromise the blend until I know what that wood's going to do to it so I wait that first year then put the blend together and then wait another year before we end up bottling that particular wine so get back to your question you know it, it changes I, I really like Malbec um, our specialty is Petit Syrah and that's something that, that i would never been exposed to too. I started working there um, it's a beautiful wine it's, it's a great, great done well it's a really good wine it does well in Calistoga the challenging one is always my Zinfandel um, I, I, I like to joke because like I say, we have set, at the time after the blends are done, we have 18 different wines in, in the winery. I like to joke and say like, I have 18 kids living in my house <laughs> each, and, 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 and each year one has a disability. You just don't know which one it's going to be. And, and with me, it happens to be Zinfandel more often than not. And I don't know, and people love it and they, 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 it sells out quickly. So it's not something I can't do it can't not do but it's just one of those things that it's, it's always a challenge with that varietal and then also with our port because we make it out of petite Syrah, it's like having a child the port comes when it wants to come because you have to hit it at a certain sugar level and, and nine times out of ten it's like two in the morning and so like I'll, I'll get ready to leave the winery like at uh, you know seven o'clock during harvest and I'll, I'll check all the sugars in the tanks and I see that the tank is at 15. Well, I know I have to hit the, hit the the high proof that we use for the um, fortification at 13. So if I wait till the next morning, I'm going to miss my window. So I'm there sitting at the winery by myself, tasting this wine every hour and measuring the sugar to see when we get to 13. And then when it does hit 13, I have a, a drum that we, we buy high proof from a distillery that, that we use for the fortification. It's a neutral spirit. And what we'll do is I'll put it on a pallet, lift it up with a forklift, and I'll siphon it out and then you add so many gallons of calculation how many gallons you add to the wine to stop the fermentation from continuing and it's a clear clear liquid this this it's like it's 190 proof so it's like ever clear and um and so you're siphoning it and at two in the morning you can't see it coming down the the tube and it goes into your mouth and then right out your nose and you're just like oh <laughs> my god and it's like and then you think you know i probably don't need to brush my teeth because it killed anything that was in my mouth <laughs>
8: oh my gosh
10: but, uh, but, but yeah, so, and again, it's one of our biggest, biggest sellers. So it's like one of those things where it's a, a thing you do for your customers, but it's not for, not for yourself.
5: <laughs> we had one of the winemakers from Dry Creek Vineyard on uh, a month or so ago, and he had the same answer you did that Zinfandel was his most challenging grape to work with.
10: It is, you know, it's, it's, it's just a weird grape sometimes because it, it can get, um, you know, just depending on the climate, you know, with Calistoga, we're pretty hot. So it, it um. it's just it it can get really raisiny sometimes so you got to be careful that the sugars don't get too high i'm a big proponent of not adding any water when it comes in so i really am really nervous sometimes when 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 i get a heat spell because i don't have water to put on the plant so i got to get my pickers out there pretty quick to get it off the vine so i don't end up with high alcohol because that's another thing that for me high alcohol is a no no um, you can't taste food if it's a high alcohol wine and my thing is I like wine with food so it, it's not to say that those high alcohol wines are bad it's just the fact that they're not palatable with food because they, they basically desensitize your palate because of the higher alcohol so I, it's always a challenge for me I try to keep it at a 13 to 14 range sometimes it does get a little 14 but you know, I see some of these wineries coming out with 15, 16% alcohols, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and
5: if I gathered correctly, you do have a tasting room.
10: We do. We do. It's a, it's a small tasting room. Uh, we, we do only produce about eight to 10,000 cases of wine, and about 60 to 70% of it is sold in futures. So most of our wine is sold while it's still in the barrel. So when people come to visit us, um, we do a lot of barrel tasting because we yeah. just don't have a lot, of wine, a lot of wine to sell them. And then if they like the wine, they put a deposit down and then that wine ships to them you know, the next year, um, wherever they are. Um, so we have a cross section of the country that, that probably about 2,500 to 3,000 members that do that at each year. Um, and so it, it works really well. I mean, my father-in-law started this program where Customers were concerned of not getting next year's vintage, and we're saying, well, here, take some money so that that way I make sure I got my bottle next year. And so it kind of evolved into a system of of how it became, um, and it's worked well for us. I mean, our customers, you know, we have a good relationship with them and a lot of loyal customers.
5: Well, I hope to return to the Valley either uh, sometime late this summer or in the fall, and uh, a visit to Vincent Arroyo Family Winery is absolutely on my list.
10: Awesome, awesome. I'd be happy to show you around, and I'll do a barrel tasting with
5: you, too. I would love that. I would love that, Matt. Thank you so much.
4: I
10: love barrel tasting. That is so much fun. Well, we, just, we, did, we, we just had our barrel tasting for, for our customers, a big or a big tasting. We saw about 300 people a couple weekends ago, and uh, it's their way of seeing what, what we're going to be bottling this summer. And so we'll get customers that show up to the that, that, that barbecue event that we have, and they'll uh, – They'll taste what they call their futures, and they can always make adjustments to their order. They're like, oh, that cab is tasting awesome. I need some more. Or, no, <laughs> the cab's not what I want, but I really like that Zinfandel. And so we move. I mean, the neat thing about our, our wine club is it's a unique allocation to each customer. So it's not the same thing to everyone. So every pro- customer has a unique allocation, whether that be six bottles or six cases. Um, it's just whatever they want it to be, and it's an annual, annual thing.
5: Love it. Matt, I can't thank you enough for your time, and we look forward. We're going to uh, open that petite syrah you sent me home with on Sunday when we put the show together.
10: Awesome. Shoot me some notes and t- let me know how, you t- how it's
5: going. Absolutely. I sure will, and uh, we're going to keep in touch. Sounds good. I appreciate it. I uh, can't love the story about how he gave each of his children uh, some a vineyard, or, oh, yeah. or, and uh, that they had to learn the business and uh, sell the grapes. That was going to be their. Uh, their college fund or whatever. I, I just think that's a wonderful story and to teach uh, kids the importance of hard work and exactly. the, where money comes from.
4: I think it was really very good.
5: What a great lineup we had today with
4: uh, oh, we did.
5: the visit at Bell's Beach House with Hedonistas de la Faye Mezcal uh Tammy Wilson from Oak Grove. We uh, had a great visit with Keen Wild. And uh, winding up with Matt Moy from Vincent Arroyo Family Winery in the Napa Valley,
4: and we're going to end the show with more from Keen Wild. Vicious, With vicious. Uh, a little different, or quite a bit different than Summer Nights. This has got more rock and more. It does, fun. but it's great. Uh, I love the versatile, the versatility. Excuse me, of their of their music.
5: I can't wait to hear more from them. Shall we do this again next week? Oh, I know what we we've kind of been holding in the bag. Do you know who our uh, main guest is going to be next week?
4: I uh, you've been you've been I know you've been itching to to spit it out. I am
5: so excited about this. I was able to line up an interview with Georgette Jones, and if that name doesn't ring a bell, her dad was named George Jones. Her mom was Tammy Wynette, <laughs> the first lady of country, the queen of country. Uh, she had, I think, 20 number one hits, and he had 10. So, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And they just had a Showtime miniseries called George and Tammy based on a book that Georgette wrote. Right. So, I cannot wait to talk with her.
4: And that will be on next Sunday. Yep. Boy. Yep. I'm going to be on Best Behavior.
5: <laughs> you better.
4: Okay. Um, well, thank you, Tom, for thank everything. Thank you, Kat.
5: We'll see you next week.
4: That's a wrap.
1: Got it.
3: Robert Rankin-Walker, you're listening to Cords and Vines on 10 Temecula Entertainment Network.